Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Culture Vulture, your bona fide favorite pop culture podcast. And it's been a few weeks, and we have a special co-host this week, so it may not be what you're expecting, uh, but we're joined with Belle today, who I know you'll love. <laughs> it may not be what you're wanting. <laughs> no, it's definitely it's definitely what the people want. They also want Laura, but, you know, mostly they just want me, so no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we were away last week because I was having a bit of a minty bee, but now we're back, and we're better than Eva and I should do some housekeeping. Housekeeping today is please, if you're part of the book club, come and join our really cute group chat. Belle, tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel nervous to describe this technology wrong, like a boomer trying to explain like Facebook to his friends. <laughs> But it's this totally gorgeous new app that honestly looks like Lucy designed it. And when you sent it to me, Lucy was just like, have you been in like tech product development? development. Is this why you didn't text me back last night? Um, But it's so cute. And I'm really conscious of like giving people another fucking app to download. But it's really just like beautifully designed and makes chatting and sharing all your book clubby dreams, aspirations, concerns, thoughts, feelings, emotions in a really cute way and it's popping off. It is popping off. It's called Geneva. We're going to put the link in the show notes um, and you do have to be a Cisco supporter, a paying book club member, which honestly we thank every single one of you that comes and supports the media that you love because it means... We get to make your podcast and we get to do cute group chat stuff, Uh, but it's really cool. It's like if Discord was designed for girls. It's like if Discord was for the girlies and not like dark and scary and feels like it has nefarious undertones. It's just really cute. (laughs) This app is just cute. Discord feels like you're buying drugs on the dark web, but also like coding an illicit website at the same time. Yes, and you've probably got an NFT and it's You definitely prob- have a portfolio <laughs> on Web3. A hundred percent. And speaking of book club, actually, we have our next book club podcast coming out soon about the book Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which we fucking loved. Belle, any words on that? <laughs> I just took a deep inhale because I'm not quite sure if my life is ever going to be the same after reading that. And we were chatting in our new book club app, Geneva, about like <laughs> <laughs> about like 
I was like, can someone say something bad about this so we have yes. some sort of form of critical dialogue about this book? Because maybe I'm a bad book critic because I just love everything too much. But um, holy shit, totally blowing me away and so much to talk about. I think it's going to be another one where you and I, Luz, are like, could we just slosh a cocktail and talk about this for three hours? Probably. Probably. And almost... Maybe we should. Maybe that's what the people want. They can put us on 1.5 times speed and it will only take an hour and a half. <laughs> Actually, I can't do the math. I cannot. I no, don't that think was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that book. And also, not to tease, but that's what this whole housekeeping sesh has actually turned into, just a massive tease. But Yellowface, which is our next book club book, Belle, I know you haven't even read it. Unfortunately, I've read it in advance because it only took me two days to read because it's so fucking good. So become a member of the book club so you can hear us talk about that is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yes, I literally saw it beside my bed this morning and I was like, I'm nervous, excited to start reading it. And okay, this is the last book club thing I'll say before this just turns (laughs) into an ad. (laughs) But um, before this turns into the book club podcast, which we actually have one of. <laughs> oh God! Okay, can you tell Luce and I haven't hung out in real life in a while? Um, no, it's just like I've always loved reading. Blah blah blah. Always loved it ever since I was a kid. But I kind of dropped off it, and I think very mm. like unhot take, which is I just get consumed in the internet at night and being a worn out woman and working late. Um, but this is like totally making me fall back in love with books in such a special way. And I, I read a lot of comments online about, um, young women being like, Oh, I just don't know where to start. Or like, I've like, it just feels like too much. And yeah, this, the bookies, the book club has just really brought me back to life. Me too. And, and not to go back to our Geneva chat app, um, but <laughs> seeing people talk about, you know, what books got them out of their reading slump and helping each other, helping mm. each other get out of the reading slump is so cute as well. I'm just, ugh, I don't know. It's all great. It's all really good. And Belle, something else really good happened to you this week. I don't know if this is what describes your week, but maybe you can describe your week for us and put in the really good thing that happened. <laughs> Um, honestly, it's been a fucking hard year. And so any joy that comes my way just feels like bloody Christmas. But my my word for this week was going to be come down, which sounds like I've been on heaps of MDMA, but I haven't. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but then this good news came through, which has come up. So Luce and I, as you know, have been in this visa process to get to Portugal for I want to say an eternity, but probably six months. And I reckon it's taken a hundred hours would be my estimation (laughs) of work and need to acknowledge that incredibly privileged to even be able to do this. And I know all of the complications around visas and entitlement to different places in the world. Anyway, finally got my visa and it came through in an email when I was in the public library and I let out an audible like, <laughs> that would have just blown the mic. It sounded like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sounded like someone had died. Anyway, so that was my good news. Yeah. So I'm on a come up after a weird come down from finishing my job, which I had been at for two years, and um just like deep exhaustion and ex- existentialism after that. Mm. So peaks, troughs, because living. 
We must separate. Actually, this is fucking rich coming from me. I was about to say, we must separate who we are with the job that we do. <laughs> As you're saying, you're having existential crises <laughs> about leaving your job and being like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. And I say that as my entire personality is apparently wrapped up in our new book club app, even though <laughs> I haven't <laughs> touched that. <laughs> but everyone, it's actually a huge thing that this visa has come through because I know you've been following the journeys. Mine is still stuck somewhere in Sydney, not even made it to the consulate yet. So I'm like so angry and it's so out of my control. So it's two things that just don't really work that well yeah, together yeah. because I've got nowhere to put the frustrate. Um, but actually, Belle, you mentioned something in there that – describes my week better than I was going to say Joan Didion because I'm just reading and listening to a lot of Joan Didion and Coco Moco who is a like trend forecaster and I'm loving her podcast right now called Ahead of the Curve and I love her on TikTok but actually the thing that definitely describes my week and possibly yours is your town library oh your community town library bring them Back in the biggest way possible. Literally, it's warm. There's Wi-Fi. You can have access to all the books, all the magazines, the re- all the resources you need. The librarians are so cute. Actually, that's another thing we've been talking about on Geneva. <laughs> like, we are lovely to librarians. Yes. It's just – and it, it's like the best – co-working space I know the world always comes full circle and it feels like we did offices we work work from home and now back to libraries which have always been there yes always yes so oh I don't know just could not rate a library any higher right now a hundred percent everyone's really cute and it's made me realize as well like in my day-to-day life I don't really hang out with old people and it's so nice to have like I know just be in this real mixed bag of the community in there mincing around. And it just reminded me of being a kid because I spent heaps of time in the library, which is a total credit to my yeah. mom. And um, I like almost want to wear my slippers in there, you know, and just like. <laughs> no, literally. And they're meeting up, they're having their book clubs. It's during the day, it's their space because there's actually no youth because they're all at school. Yeah. Well, except for us because we're still definitely youth. But it's just. <laughs> Yeah, our one has like a, a community puzzle that you can go and like put, put bits in of the puzzle and, you know, sit there five minutes if you need a brain break. I don't know. It's just Oh my cute. God, that is so cute. I know. It's like you mentioning WeWork is super relevant to this because I've been thinking about it a lot in light of finishing my job and not having like, I guess, a fixed desk space and having nomaded a lot as a freelancer years ago um Mm. and it was sort of like before co-working spaces were invented and I feel like they came along in this like giant rush of like ping pong tables and like meetups and free beer yeah (laughs) some guy with a mustache will pour you an IPA yes and like (laughs) watching WeWork's demise I feel like the world is like grappling at the moment with what work is and what the best way to arrange it in our lives is and maybe libraries are the answer oh honestly because obviously Belle and I are planning the move to Lisbon right now and I um it's like as soon as I have a set desk or somewhere that I'm supposed to work I just can't like I cannot function in any organized type of way it ruins me and so when I've been thinking about like 
I work from bed a lot and I love that and I work from the couch and I love that and I work from different cafes and I love that. But now I'm like, do I, do we find a library in Lisbon? I think so. Honestly, I'm really into this. I find the cafe thing kind of annoying because I feel guilty for not ordering enough coffee. Yes. And then my friend was, who's a writer here in Auckland was saying, she was like, I can't work in any of the cafes because all of my ex-boyfriends come in all the time and it's incredibly cursed. Now that is cursed. I guess I I could sit down for like an hour and a half and like hoon a little email and like kind of think some things. But to have... Yes, non-creative work. Yeah, yeah, cutting through the clutter in like a commercial way. (laughs) And on like a dreamy... (laughs) I could be my commercial self in a cafe. (laughs) Well... It just, that whole thing about seeing people that you know and them interrupting your flow and reminding you of a cursed time yeah, is like half the reason that we're going really far away from where we're from because it's like you just want to be new and have new thoughts that are not sort of soiled. I wish there was a better word. Soiled by. (laughs) Tarnished is a far, tarnished by memory. Yeah, Let's not. Wow, this is sounding like really deep. Honestly, Belle and I have not actually talked about this before. <laughs> considered, I mean, we've considered what it means to not want to work in a cafe, I'm sure, but yeah, I'm also never the idea of being tarnished by me. I'm also laughing at the idea of being like to someone like, oh, oh let me work. I'm like, it's like, you're in a fucking cafe. This is not your own desk space. Like, shut up. Yes. <laughs> Like, you shouldn't be working here. Like, go to a library. And that's actually another thing about the library. Oh, it could go on for days. You don't have to buy a coffee to be, yeah. to feel like you're allowed there. It's like this community space. Bring back community spaces. Bring back real-life Geneva apps. Oh, my God. Okay, this has gone full circle. Totally. And I actually, it's funny, I went. I went to the library on my first day not working. To do other work stuff that I'm doing now in my new life, which I mentioned that. And I was so <laughs> tired. And the only free sitting space was a giant bean bag. And I just, the sounds so unhinged, turned it and faced the wall and like kind of fell asleep in it. <laughs> oh because there is something roasty toasty about yeah. a library and yeah. it will just put you right to sleep. <laughs> I also feel like you, after you finish a job, need to sleep for like an eternity before you become normal oh again. Oh my God, a total eternity. I'm still not quite back on the planet. So, so excited to share my unhinged brain on this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> so nice that you can come in such a... Um, Small, tiny space. <laughs> um, well, okay, Should we, we'll kick into the crux of the episode, which is just a bit of a mixed bag episode. Laura's sick, so we just had to wrangle a bit of a last-minute bell, which means I'm going to be talking at bell a lot of the time, which is not usually how our convos go. I promise you they're usually quite two-way. Um, but the first segment that we have that Belle actually wouldn't have heard before is called... Should we care? And it's because we're called shit you should care about. And a lot of the time we get told in our comments, especially when we talk about pop culture and shit like that, is like, why should I care about this? Why should I care about this? Should I care about this? And so we bring 
some kind of sugary, sometimes serious stories to the start of the episode and ask each other, should we care? Do we care? I actually don't remember what the actual segment's called, but should we or do we feels the same. And from next week, Ruby's actually going to start bringing these stories so that we can both objectively be like, should we care about this? Instead of me bringing stories that I obviously care about to a degree because I've gone and found them and written about them. So in our own way, we're going to get a little bit of Ruby back on the mic, which I know everyone will be really excited for. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. But Belle, my first story. Should we care about Ariana Grande and her boyfriend, Dalton Gomez? Actually, boyfriend, no, husband... Dalton Gomez separating and then Ariana quite quickly dating Ethan Slater, who is her previously married co-star on Wicked. Now, you don't have to answer if we should care yet because I'm going to give you a little bit of a timeline because the story... Have you seen this, Belle? Yeah, and I feel like I'm on a TV show... um which I'm loving, like a, like a quiz TV show. I also need to add yes. I can't. Luce and I have our cameras off, so it kind of feels yeah. like we're recording this in our wardrobes in the dark. <laughs> my eyes are closed. We're just looking at two blank screens. <laughs> I know. I have my fucking script up, but I'm, like, still looking at the black screen <laughs> pretending that you're there. Just imagine a gorgeous, worn-out woman on the other end. <laughs> yeah, that's what I have been imagining. And you do the exact same, please. Okay, so this okay. story is, like, it's really – Ariana Grande has, like, really strong, strong fans. I like her music, but am less of a fan after she unfollowed us. That is a total joke. I don't care that she unfollowed us. But I will say <laughs> she doesn't really pop up in my life that much. But anyway, she got married to a guy called Dalton Gomez and then – In July, July 16th, she went to Wimbledon and she wasn't wearing her wedding ring. And then everyone was kind of like, what? And then it came out a day after that, TMZ reported that her and her husband have separated and are heading for divorce. And then apparently they've been separated since January, but we only found out in July. And then on July 20th, news broke that Ariana and Ethan Slater, her co-star in Wicked, I don't actually know what he plays, sorry everyone, um, were dating. And everyone was kind of like, this seems weird because Ethan was married to a person called Lily J since 2018. They have a son together. And then since then, it's sort of come out, and this is all alleged, but... It's coming out in things like People and Entertainment Tonight and Page Six, which often don't report on stuff um, if there's no legs to it. Anyway, it came out that he has quite suddenly left his partner and that Lily was completely blindsided and now Ariana and Ethan are dating. They've sort of left their significant others and are dating each other. So it's kind of... Giving weird vibes. Also, he really looks like her brother, um, Frankie Grande, which is, you know, when people date people that look like their parents or their siblings, there's that whole 
sort of discourse or do you not know about it? No, I do. I do. I'm just waiting for the full like story to end. Um, okay. Well, that's, that's the full story okay. and it's essentially, do you care? Should we care? What's the vibe? What, what's your take on this? I don't care about this, <laughs> but what I do think it reveals, which we already know, which is just like celebrities are just fucked up human beings like us all with weird yearnings of the heart and they behave badly and I can only imagine living in a petri dish of public spectacle and gossip and people kind of tracking and observing your every move being like heightening that whole experience Mm. of being alive um however I do love a good love story and I do wonder if every every fraught love story has so much more depth to it so I feel like I don't really care and I'm not sure if we should care about it but I also think that celebrities kind of set precedents for how we think we can behave in our own lives would you feel like that's a good take yeah or or they are just a huge projection of how we all act in our own lives and then we see it reflected totally and, and we think it's terrible when they do it but it's like actually we're doing that all the time in our little real world yes yes and they just have like more money and glamour behind it so the story gets obviously way more heightened um but and and then you sort of watch the way they react to this like Ethan going private Mm -hmm. on Instagram um and then you have these like a friend close to the source says you know so-and-so's or Lily was completely blindsided and you sort of like build out this sort of like nefarious story that surrounds it it's hard to know how much is reality and and how much of this is just like the normal human experience of being alive and falling in love with someone and then falling out of love with them and falling in love with someone else yeah and I also think I'm gonna have to agree with you and this is the first one I think that I've brought that I don't really care about but I what I do care about and I feel like I always say this is how the internet has reacted to this and I feel like they've tried to make it they love to have a trend they love to have like something meaty to make out of this and now they've started saying like well since Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn broke up there's been this break breakup apocalypse sort of thing where like Rosalia and her boyfriend have broken up Sofia Vergara and her boyfriend or her partner or husband whatever have broken up Ariana and Dalton have broken up and I'm like sometimes like you know, these are four couples out of, like, billions of people in the world. It's actually, like, probably not that <laughs> deep. And, like, a co- it will be a coincidence, but we're just – the internet loves to make something quite nicely packaged up. And then also I'm seeing all these, like, really awful TikToks and tweets, which is where a lot of the awful commentary always come f- comes from, um, about how, like, well, Ariana's always been a homewrecker and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like – oh my God, we treat these people like they don't have a single feeling in the world. I know they have money and I know they have fame and they have protections that none of us have, but I just always see awful shit. And the only reason I care to talk about these things is always to look deeper at how we react. And let me tell you, it's never that good. A hundred percent. I think there was a really good take on it. And I would like I was thinking about you how you mentioned the breakup apocalypse. And I remember after the first lockdown here in New Zealand, I had like, I kid you not, like seven 
close friends who broke up with their partners like it was like a fucking tidal wave we all got out of lockdown yeah I hate you this is wrong and like I do believe that sometimes there are like phases of the world perhaps I don't know if this is yes like a small thing to say but don't you feel like there are times where where all your friends are breaking up it's like the universe is like shaking the world up in its snow globe and everyone's trying to figure out what they want so I'm kind of into the breakup apocalypse. Yeah, it's like cuffing season and like, (laughs) I just don't think, I think it's relevant when as a society something huge happens and everyone reacts in a way that maybe we haven't expected or maybe we did like that. I think when four celebrity couples break up after Taylor Swift does it, maybe it has less, like, gravitas or something. Major sociological trend that they'll be studying in years to come in anthropology classes all over the world. Like, literally, based on a few tweets that I saw and then I talked about on a podcast, I'm probably part of the problem. There probably wasn't even a break. It's like quiet quitting. Quiet quitting wasn't really a thing, but then, like, two people started talking about it. Yes. And then everyone started talking about it and saying that it wasn't a thing. Yes. And then millennials started writing articles about how all Gen Z were talking about is quiet quitting, but we were yeah. trying to say it's not really a thing. And, I know. Yeah, and then I'm, like... So kind of guilty of this but I you know me I bloody love a word and so I feel like so does the media and they latch on to like that's why quiet quitting kind of became such a phenomenon because you're right it wasn't like some seismic shift in the public psyche of young people at work it was like no just a word that explained a thing that felt kind of like an interesting reflection of where we're at when really maybe deep down everyone was just like fucking burned out from the pandemic, existential yes. in your job, not going to libraries enough. It turned into this thing where everyone was saying, oh my God, we shouldn't hire Gen Z because they're all about quiet quitting. And it was like, no, every Gen Z I've seen talking about this is saying that this isn't a real thing. And the media talked about it as if it was. And now it, it's kind of reflected badly on us. Anyway, we've really, we've really gone sideways on... <laughs> On oh, we hear about Ariana Grande and her breakup. Obviously, hope she's okay. Care about her in the same way that I care about many celebrities, which is they are probably fine without me caring about them. Um, <laughs> I think they need you. No. no, I think your care is absolutely warranted. Okay, one celebrity that does need respect and deserve my care is Harry Styles, who Bell had his final and very emotional show on his Love on Tour tour. Um, Spoiler, I really do care about this. And I wanted to talk about it because I just feel like, and we've said this before, he creates joy at his shows, which for a while was unmatched. But I also think maybe it wasn't him that kicked this off. But now we're seeing people like dress up in a similar way to go and see Barbie and then dress up to go and see Oppenheimer and are sort of making these events actual moments where they get to express themselves and feel joy in what they're wearing and how they're acting. And I really think that did start with the colours and the feather boas and the deep love that Harry Styles sort of allowed and fostered at his shows. And so... This feels like an end of an era. It feels like the end of an era, but the start of an age, which is from my favorite Taylor Swift song, oh. <laughs> Long Live. Poignant. But honestly, it really does. It feels like he has helped usher in this age of just letting people 
be joyful about things and yes you forget about capitalism in the second but you you know you you buy the feather boa and hopefully it's an environmentally friendly one but yeah bell got got anything for me on this i just love i think that's a really gorgeous take and like isn't just the biggest thing at the moment and i may be projecting but i'm just gonna completely like um conflate my feelings with the entire world the entire world which is just like needing joy and i think he's a absolute masterclass in branding and i hate to bring my like advertising background to the bloody fore but isn't it just like and again like post-pandemic everyone just what needs to feel joy and life can feel like meaningless or confusing and just to have these vibrant moments of like who cares moments mm-hmm. and expressing yourself and it feels almost like a bit teenage yes. to do which is really fun and like I think you're right in terms of seeing it as a wider trend of like people dressing up to go to movies yes. and like theater shows like Kinky Boots was here in Auckland recently and there was a lot of that and it's like fucking fun yes. and just let's get out of our houses and off the fucking internet for a night and like feel alive and what a gorgeous experience and like era and sort of like yeah vibe for him to start I I bloody yeah, love it. Yeah, I very much care about this. He made, or someone on his team, or someone, made like a little mini, it almost looks like it's the trailer for a documentary, but it's just a little sort of wrap-up of Love on Tour and what it meant to people. And I got really emotional watching it because I was just sort of like, when in, in you know, the 2010s and 2020s have we seen something like this? And And... I don't know. It's just very cool. And well done, Harry. You deserve a rest and the knowledge that we're all going to continue having joy until you're back, I would say. Well, that's the goal. <laughs> it's an incredible it's an incredible gift for a celebrity to impart. Yes. Hey? Because like, I, I think you're right. Before then, maybe the biggest thing that bands were doing was like ignite nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, imagine Fleetwood Mac on tour. But mm. to create this whole kind of tangible experience of a night and a moment and a feeling is like extremely cool. And I, I'm so fascinated to watch how this kind of morphs and where it goes yes. next. And I love it. And then this is a this is the kind of complete opposite now. And this isn't a should we care, do we care. This is more something that I just want to talk about because I wrote about it in the newsletter and um, I've been seeing a lot of media around it. But we were talking about how Harry Styles and his shows sort of makes everyone feel really joyful and comfortable and, you know, you walk out and you're really stoked with the show. Well, fans of the 1975 in Malaysia, I think, felt the complete opposite um, after the 1975's latest performance there. And that is not... I'm going to get into the story, but I don't think that's because the band intended to make the fans feel angry or uncomfortable or, um, you know, walk out feeling like hard done by or fucking I don't know I think the intention was good but what we have seen um based on what they did for young queer people in Malaysia kind of proves that we all need to take a big hard look at ourselves before we try and make grand gestures that 
we think are a good idea, but perhaps won't have good outcomes for the people that we're wanting to protect. So, Belle, I'm assuming you have seen the discourse around Maddie Healy in the 1975 and what they did to try and stand up for gay rights in Malaysia over the weekend. Yeah, I'm up with the play, but I want to know more. The 1975 were playing at the Good Vibes Music Festival in Kuala Lumpur, an ironic name because it was sort of anything but good vibes. <laughs> um, so this is in Malaysia where sex between men is criminalised and transgender people can be arrested just for wearing clothes that are, and I'm quoting, thought not to belong to their assigned sex. Uh. And so the 1975 have been very vocal in their performances over the years and all their music sort of speaks to society and speaks to how we act and respond and the fucked up world that we're living in. They never shy away from making political statements. But at this show, they again decided that they would make a bit of a statement and the statement has really had quite big repercussions and let fans down, to say the least. So essentially, Maddie Healy and the band got on stage and I actually had an email from a a newsletter reader that was at the show and they said that when he was on stage, he was sort of visibly quite angry and quite abrasive and anyway he starts he started a speech saying that he basically almost cancelled their performance the day before because he was so angry at the government and how they treat queer people over there but he didn't want to let the fans down so he continued you know they went and they performed or they performed for half of their set but he said that he'd made a mistake when they were booking shows and he didn't look into it enough as sort of their touring schedule was being planned, whatever, and he sort of would have said no to coming to Malaysia based on his stance um, or based on how he feels about their government, how they treat queer people. But he said, I don't see the fucking point, right? I do not see the point of inviting the 1975 to a country and then telling us who we can and can't have sex with. Unfortunately, you don't get a set of loads of uplifting songs because I'm fucking furious and that's not fair on you because you're not representative of your government because you're young people and I'm sure a lot of you are gay and progressive and cool. And he said a few more things and then after that, he, um, he and Ross, who plays the bass, made out on stage for quite a while um, to one of their songs. And so big statement, right? You can see that the intention, despite the delivery, was that they were fucking angry at the way that their fans, who are a lot of them young and progressive and queer and cool, were being treated by the government. And so about 30 minutes into their set, just after that, Maddie came back out and he said, right, we've just been banned from Kuala Lumpur, see you later. And they left the stage and then Malaysian authorities cancelled the rest of the music festival, um, which is sad for fans that spent hundreds of dollars to get to the festival at the very, like at the most basic sense. Um, But this was because apparently the band had assured the people organising the festival that they would sort of adhere to the performance guidelines and not to basically not do exactly what they did. And since then, the 1975 have cancelled their performances in Jakarta, which is in Indonesia, and one in Taiwan. And it's just, 
it made me think about a lot of things because obviously there's been a lot of discourse around Maddie Healy, which a lot of people have covered. We're not going to cover it today because this topic is sort of meaty enough in itself. But it had it gave me just a lot of contradicting things to think about, especially when it comes to activism. So the main call, the main sort of thing that they were getting called out for was that this activism was performative and that it was very white saviory. And at the start, I was a little bit like, and I think I'm always like this at the start when I see someone trying to do anything. I used to have the idea that doing anything was better than doing nothing. But then as I read more perspectives from um, especially sort of queer people in Malaysia and saw what this meant for them, what the fallout meant for them, I was like, you know, there are ways of making your statement without hurting people. And so I really think that the band's intentions were good. And I also, like, think that it's quite incredible to see the, you know, number three story on the BBC, even though it's about the controversy, be about gay rights in Malaysia, because it's something that I hadn't thought about before that much. So I think for a lot of people... It would be an introduction to, holy shit, there are still places in the world that act like this. Um, But then I thought a little bit harder and I was sort of like, the 1975 can just say this, get on a plane and fly away and sort of feel good that they've made their statement but then not have to, like, have the consequences of, like, I saw a lot of, people in Malaysia saying that the queer communities had built these beautiful underground spaces that they felt safe and they could do these things. And yes, it's fucked up that they have to be underground. And yes, it's the government's fault, but they were sort of making it work in the ways that they could. And now they're worried that these spaces will be stripped away from them because of, you know, what the band has done and the light that it's sort of shone on the government internationally. And also... But then at the same time, I'm like, we went through this period in 2020 where we expected anyone with a platform to show up and it created this culture of everyone feeling like they had to and then doing it really imperfectly so I can see where this came from. But then also I don't think that them creating awareness for gay rights in in Malaysia sort of balances out the retractions that maybe um, the freedoms that LGBTQ youth in Malaysia are facing right now. So, I mean, I don't have the answer to these questions, but I I agree with actually the people that are saying this wasn't the right way to do it. You need to think about the people that are actually going to face consequences to this. And even though your intentions were in the right place, like it kind of, it doesn't matter because that's not how it was received. I, Belle, I've just, I want to know what you make of all of this. Honestly, that was the most eloquent take of all of this on such a complex situation. It's, <laughs> no, I don't think It's really it hard for me to add that and sound like a smart woman. I think you what you touched on so <laughs> wonderfully is like this is such a, I mean, like, Queer politics in countries that legislate against it is such a fraught issue. And I think also referencing, like, Mm. the wave of activism that came out of 2020 is so right. And I think about it a lot, right? If I had a significant platform, if I was Ariana Grande, what is my role in kind of advocating for rights about a community that 
I think should completely have free rights and and equal and and fair access to everything, but I'm not personally a part of, I think it becomes incredibly complex and I would feel really reluctant to speak on behalf of any community and I can completely understand how misplaced this must have felt. And on the other hand, I think like if I was a performer and got asked to um, perform at a festival or an event where I knew I had heaps of fans but I didn't agree with the politics like I'm not quite sure how I would navigate that and actually what the right answer is and maybe that's what this whole discussion sort of unearths is like there is no right way Mm. but and and we're kind of like the media is also like quite obsessed with these sort of actions right And, and and there are tiny good things that have come out of this like you mentioned um the lack of queer rights in Malaysia being on the front page of the BBC Mm. but it also not being got like carried out in the right way it's it's so complex and I can't imagine what it would have been like flying out of KL and being like what are we leaving behind what do we do I think I would feel incredibly fraught about that and it kind of reminds me of um I don't know if you've seen the Louis Theroux series uh I think it's on Netflix where he like interview celebrities and he interviews young blood and it kind of touches on a similar thing. I haven't seen that, but an interesting thing about Maddie Healy and young blood is they both have these progressive sort of politics. They both are kind of punky and they act in similar ways, but they really dislike each other because they, I think they both think that they're not doing it in the correct way. And so it's really interesting that you bring up young blood because there is like conversations about those two and it's it's sort of like we all want the same thing people on the left all want the same thing or similar things but then we spend so much of our time pulling down other people for not going the right way about trying to get that thing that it fucks me off like it's yes the biggest waste of time totally it's such a fucking maze isn't it like imagine I feel like if I stood up and did something about women's rights, I would be afraid to get that wrong. Do you know what I mean? I'm just one girl representing my own cis white experience of the world. How could I ever possibly claim to be able to be the voice of all women everywhere? And so I think we're at this like super nuanced time where no one knows how to resolve this. And my only kind of way of making sense of it is that it's an incredibly complex issue and situation and I don't think there's any perfect way to go about it. Same, and I think we need to, and this is not directly talking to the 1975 situation because that has had very real repercussions and I don't want to minimise that, but in across the board, we need to cut people that are trying some slack because there are a fuckload of people that aren't trying and that's worse, I think. Like, I know I said yeah. at the start of this, I would rather, you know, I, I, that my sort of position on whether doing something is better than doing nothing is changing and complex. But at the end of the day, I'm still like, when I see people trying to do what little thing they can with what they have, it's just, it's more noble than and not that this is about nobility but then someone's sitting there being too scared to say anything because they'll get 
eaten by the left or I just it's so complex it's really hard to put into words and I also think I would love to be having more conversations like this that feel safe to have and not be worried about being cancelled for even having a conversation like this and it's my biggest wish for the internet (laughs) it's my biggest wish ever (laughs) you know we can all learn things from this like you need to take into consideration the people that are going to pick up the pieces from your activism and that should almost be front of mind when you're wanting to make a statement but also it's not the worst thing in the world that you tried to make a statement because a lot of people don't but just this time it, it wasn't the way oh my god I feel like this has been a big circle of a convo and I'm gonna listen back to it and be like yeah, but Lucy, you should have caveated that, and you should have added this. And no, actually, ah! <laughs> actually, no, because it's really helpful for people to hear. That's why we have a podcast. So you can hear how we word things and how we're figuring it out on the way, and how we're just people trying to make it all make yes. sense, just like they are, just like you are. We are the same. So I hope, I really hope that this conversation is taken in. It was sort of you're practicing what you preach and what we're talking about. It's taken in quite a gracious way of we're trying to help in this conversation too. A hundred percent. Anyway, Belle, that is basically, that's actually a lot of takes and a lot of, a lot of thoughts for a podcast episode that we sort of threw together because Laura is sick, bless her soul. But I do need to know one more thing from you. And that is what's on your radar. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Firstly, I hope Laura's okay. I imagine her just cooking a gorgeous, wholesome, like beautiful soup that Lucy and I could never pull off and then sharing the recipe, (laughs) the cottagecore goddess that she is. No, Laura is like the mother that I would never be, could never be. I'm just going to let you down if you expect that of me. I'm just going to put that out there. On my radar are two things. One is that um, my favorite band, Big Thief, has released a new single called Vampire Empire. And I love Adrian Linker, the lead singer songwriter. I think she's like such a gorge poet. And they're kind of like super kooky and sometimes unhinged indie band always on the road and I'm really excited for their new album to come out so this is their new single and then the other thing that's totally on my radar that I've just finished is Deborah Levy's collection of short essays there's three books little kind of perfect bedside books in them and I finished the last one called Real Estate last night and um, I think my life is complete. So I've got nothing more to look forward to. I love that. I'm um, also reading essays at the moment. I have one book called Tacky and it's, it's on my radar because I haven't finished it, but it's one of those ones where some of them don't, I can't really, maybe this is narcissistic. I don't really read things that don't pertain to me or, interest me like I feel like I went through a a phase where I read purely to learn and be productive and now I'm in a phase where I'm reading purely like purely selfishly like I only want to read things that are going to change my life or I relate to and so this this book tacky is like every three essays will be something that I'm like yes I love that but I'm also reading um Joan Didion's let me tell you what I mean and again, I'm sort of picking and choosing the ones that pertain to me, but lots of them 
certainly do. And it's just so, she's just amazing in the way that she was writing a lot of these essays in the 60s. And I'm reading them as if they've been written like two weeks ago because they, I mean, it's kind of sad because it shows that we haven't actually changed that much, but they're still so relevant. And honestly, we actually, I was going to say, I'm going to talk about her over in Geneva, but we have been already. There's a a Didion thread in there. So that's my other on my radar, just spending lots of time in there, making a book club podcast with Belle, slaying the day away. Love it. (laughs) deep love for Joan Didion it's actually how I met one of my best friends in a writing class in second or first year uni oh um and so she carries an extremely like special place in my heart and I just feel like every writer girl has it should have a deep crush on Joan and um if in doubt what would Joan do yeah I feel like it's it's a phase it's actually, Belle, only a phase that I entered when you gave me on self-respect in Slouching Towards Bethlehem. And I then went out, bought that group of essays, bought that collection of essays, bought more of her stuff, listened to every podcast because, like, I'm an obsession girly and I'm an era girly and I'm in my Joan era. But it's interesting because you passed that on to me wow. because – I've never taken a writing class. I've never seen myself as a writer or anything, but it's interesting as I get into this era where I find myself writing more, it's like as soon as you enter that era, you do get a crush on her. Yeah. Yeah, she's really inimitable. (laughs) I just have one add-on to your radar, which is is something of yours. Um, I saw earlier this week you teamed up with Pocket to put together a collection of all the best pieces of content that you've read about breakups. And that's obviously something that we talk about heaps here. And also, I've always wondered, because I don't write the news part of the newsy, I only do chimes in our Sunday, no news is good news, how you find it all and gather it and keep it in one place, because the brain can only do so much. The brain can only do so much. And I've talked about this time and time again, and I do do that on Pocket, Um, which is my favorite app in the world, which I feel like I always, always, always talk about. And you're probably sick of me saying it. But um, something that you wrote, and you've definitely seen this, is actually in that collection that I made um, for Pocket. And it's a poem that you wrote about heartbreak. And for someone that doesn't really know what heartbreak feels like um, romantically, this is like the closest I think I've gotten to understanding. Um, But Pocket, Back to Pocket, which is where this collection lives, is basically a place where you can discover interesting articles. And then at the tap of a button, which I actually fucking love because I don't have time to be saving things to bookmark, um, you can save articles from anywhere on the line on the internet to dig into later. And yeah, Pocket is how I literally save everything that I write about for the newsletter. So it's very cool that we get to keep doing collections for them. Um, and as your gorgeous fake boomer wing woman, I actually can't wait, wait to read this and also use this. I feel like it's going to somewhat change my life and my pursuit to become incredibly internet <laughs> adjacent. Um, so if you want to read Lucy's piece, you can get it at getpocket.com forward slash Siska or check out the link in our show notes. Anyway, everyone, I feel like we've talked your ear off um enough today but come to the show notes and you can see where to join our wonderful group chat that we keep talking about or you can just subscribe to the newsletter or you can just give this a rating and a review and make it really nice but whatever you do 
We will love you for it and we do love you for it. And thank you for being here. Love you. Bye.